Hello everyone, this is Charlie Thornton from The Brief Lab, and we've got another FAQ segment of Just Saying. Just Saying is a podcast about how to be a more intentional communicator, and our FAQ segments are what you would think. We have people who send us questions to faq at thebrieflab.com, and then we answer them. And if we don't know the answer, we answer them anyway. Uh, hopefully none of those today, though. Um before we jump into today's questions, thanks for being here. It's it's awesome to see the community keep growing. We hope that we're bringing you valuable stuff. We we are doing our best. If you've got feedback that's good, good or bad or anything in between, let us know. Let us know how we can improve. Um, and especially if you're new, thanks for being here. Don't forget to subscribe um, and give us a review, and that helps us get this conversation out to more people. All right. Before we jump into today's questions, a warning. Yes, a warning. Most of these questions appear to be from folks who are actually trying to apply brief methods in their daily life. So I'm assuming from the way these questions are asked that they've attended a brief lab workshop, either virtually or at the brief lab, uh, or that they have read the book Brief, Make a Bigger Impact by Saying Less, or Noise, Living and Leading When Nobody Can Focus, both by Joe McCormick, who owns the brief lab. Uh, and so if some of the references that they make in their questions or that I make in answering them are confusing to you, you can check out those resources. I'll try to translate so it's useful to everyone, but just giving you that warning up front. Okay, let's jump into our first question here. Uh, is there a simple and expedient way to offer feedback slash critique to someone's communication delivery? Of course, I think a few things. The first thing is I want to give you feedback on how you communicated in that situation. I think that would be the first thing that I would say. And then I would follow that up with, here's what I would have done differently and here's why. And then I would have concluded with, if I have it, maybe a simple story of failure where I tried something and didn't, didn't work or I failed to do something and, and it resulted in a bad situation. So it's clear to them that I'm sharing from my own personal experience um, why I think they should, should have done something differently. Now, I want to point out here that... Um, I think it's usually a, a better place to start to make it situational, right? And that's why I say, I want to give you some feedback on how you communicated in that situation. It's it's not subjective. And it avoids the challenge of these conversations where it's like, you always do this or you never do that, you know? And the problem with making statements like that is, well, when we make them, we don't usually mean them to be literal, you know, always and never is a pretty is a, is, is a pretty uh, extreme statement. But people almost always take them literally. And so you're going to lead to they're, they're rightly going to say, well, I don't I don't always do that. And now you're having a debate about something that you don't even want to have a debate about. The whole point was just to give them specific feedback. So if you see a trend, you can you can point it out. But I think feedback is best when it's given right away. And so. I, that's how I would approach it. I want to give you some feedback on how you communicated in this situation just now. You know, do this in a private way, away from others. So it might, some time may have passed. Here's what I would have done differently. Here's why. And then if you can conclude it with, uh, you know, validating your own personal experience and why you think it's a good or bad idea to do what you're discussing, I think that's a, a good way to go. Second question, how can I get a poor communicator... Let me read this again. How can I get poor communicator peers and supervisors bought into brief? 
Oh man. Yeah, this is a tough one. Um Well, you can introduce them to this podcast. Um you can slyly give them a copy of the book brief. Um I think so aside from those things though, right? Like I think one of the cool things about the brief method that we found to be really valuable is that it actually gives people a way to talk about communications in a more positive and concrete manner. You know, if you go to someone and you say, could you just get to the point? That's a, that's sort of like a personally offensive thing or like you talk too much. These are, these are really difficult things to tell someone and they're going to take it badly and maybe they should take it badly. What, when you, start adopting the brief method, it gives you the ability to say things that are more constructive. Like, hey, I want to make sure I understand this. What's the headline here? Like, give me the headline, like summarize the the main, the key idea for me here. Do you see how that feels different? They still get what you're getting at and they still might not be thrilled, especially if you're in a position of seniority over this person, they still may feel like they've been corrected. Oh, that's okay. That's part of, you know, maturing as a professional. Um, but it's not like personally offensive. It doesn't get to like some personal attribute, like you are just a talker and I don't like that about you. Um, so I think that to the extent that you can share the things that you're learning, I think that's a great way to get people bought in. So if this is a peer, you can say, Hey, I, I learned this cool stuff and I, and I want to share this with you. So check this out. So in my last presentation, instead of opening up PowerPoint, what I did is I, I grabbed this mapping tool and, and I mapped out the key messages that I wanted to hit and I paid special attention to the headline. And I feel like we could do that with this presentation and it would go a lot better or this briefing and, and I feel like it would go a lot better. And I think that's a way to, to get them bought in. So So be a helping hand, obviously lead by example, but also be a helping hand. And, and I think that when people really start to buy into brief methods is when they feel the benefit. They get the traction that they wanted. They get approval. They start moving things along that were stalled before. And then they become believers because they're, they're seeing the results themselves. All right, hope that helps. Uh, next question. After the course, we will return to our organization. What are the best practices for teaching our peers, subordinates, and influencing leaders who have not yet had the opportunity to attend the course. Um, well, we just touched on some of this in the answer to the previous question, so do all that stuff first. There are two things that I think can be really helpful and they're really easy to do. One is headlining, this technique of headlining that we talk a lot about at the Brief Lab. And, and, and for those of you who haven't been to the Brief Lab, it's, it's what you would expect. Every article has a clear headline. Well, every conversation should also have a clear headline. Every presentation, every interruption, every meeting, every email, they should all have good, clear headlines. And that's not a terribly difficult concept to wrap your mind around. So I usually tell teams, go back to your team and say, hey, I'm going to recommend that we as a group just do this headlining thing. And we're going to do it in meetings. We'll, we'll start the meeting by saying, all right, everybody give a quick headline as to the most important thing you're doing this week. Um, you'll do it in one-on-one, -on -one, you know, updates. Somebody starts talking, you say, Hey, hang on a sec. Remember we're doing that headlining thing. So why don't you just take a 30 seconds of silence? I want you to think about your headline and then start over. It's cool. I'm going to answer this email while you do that. Is that a weird thing to do? Yeah. It's a little bit out of the ordinary. Um, 
they may feel a little awkward about it, but you're training them like, hey, it's not okay to not lead with the main point. And I am going to give you some instruction on how to do that. And, and headlining in particular is something that is relatively straightforward. And I think you can teach teams that. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing that I think would be valuable is talk to your team about this concept we call trimming, right? What is level one detail, the most important stuff? What is level two? Oh, that, that support information. What is level three? Oh, that's, that's all the stuff that I got to know to do my job, but I don't need to share with someone else to help them do their job. In other words, I don't need to communicate it. It's stuff that goes in my back pocket. I think sharing that concept, again, doesn't take a terribly long time to do it, but what it does is it empowers you when somebody's running on and on and on to say, hey, I feel like we're getting into level three detail and I'd like to get back to level one. So let's just pause for a second and, and let's elevate the conversation. That's a much more positive way of redirecting the conversation to be more productive. So I would start with those two things. Um, obviously, other obvious things are, you know, introduce them to the book. Um, you know, if you have some of the tools from the brief map, leave them around from the brief lab, rather, leave them around. Um, we've got cool stuff. We've got coasters that say, you know, talk time and quiet time. And you can do that like like one of those, uh, you know, like one of those Brazilian steakhouses where you flip over your little coaster and they just keep bringing you delicious meat. Well, it's the same kind of deal. Like you can you can start to have little trinkets like that. Now, is everyone always going to, you know, pay attention to that coaster? I don't know, but at least it's there. It's got them thinking about it. So those would be some things that that I would try. Um, obviously, the most important thing and I mentioned in the, the answer to the last question is they got to see you giving your best effort. You don't have to be perfect at this, but you do need to be trying it. And if they see progress from you, they're going to start to get curious. You know, what is what is he or she doing? How did they learn how to do that? Uh, I want to get in on some of that. All right, next question. Aside from business slash work-related communication, how can noise slash brief be used for personal relationships, spouses, friends, children, etc., without them feeling like they're being briefed at or telling them to eliminate noise? Uh, this is an awesome question. And I think it's, it changes depending on what your home situation is. I might answer this in a way that you're not expecting, but we actually don't want you to brief at your commander or your boss or your peers or your colleagues either. We don't want them to feel like they're being briefed at. We don't want them to feel like they're being told to eliminate noise per se. So much of this is about being thoughtful and intentional so that you can be clear and, when appropriate, concise. Um, and I think those things are all super applicable at home as well. Um, I'll tell you one thing that I personally struggle with at home is I assume too much. I'm used to working with really smart professionals who are really good and experienced. Um, and so I don't need to give a lot of direction. People see what needs to be done and they jump in and they do it. Well. Then when I bring that back to my kids, for example, and sometimes I don't give them sufficient direction. And then I'm and then I'm surprised by the lack of results or, or that they did the wrong thing. And and I get frustrated by that when in, when in reality, I should have done a better job about giving them. And this is where I'm going to bring in the brief stuff. I should have given them a clear headline. 
I should have given them a clear sense of what the end state is that I was looking for. I should have been able to boil it down into an executive summary that was helpful for them. Um, I have to temper that always because why do I have to do that is one of my kids' favorite questions to ask me. And um, what they usually mean is that that's not going to benefit me, so I don't see any point for me doing it. Uh, And my why is never about them. It's about the family and about responsibility and things getting done. Um, but I suppose you can you can give them a, a, a better why as well. Um, now, when it comes to um, spouses and I guess to some extent children as well, I think we have to be careful about what is the purpose of communication. See, a lot of times the purpose for communication at work is productivity. We're going to get something productive done. The faster we get it done, the faster we get on to the next thing, we execute perfectly, and and um, and the mission is closer to being done. And that's how it should be. That's fine. Communication, though, is a very nuanced thing, and the sole purpose of communication is not productivity. That's one purpose. That's one reason to use communication at work. And, and being brief is, lends itself particularly well to that. However, at home, there are other purposes for communication. There are the sharing of emotions, which is important. If you bring a highly efficient productivity mindset to a conversation and the other person is bringing a, I am trying to share my frustration, my emotional state, whatever, then you're going to miss each other because you're, you're speaking on different planes. You're coming, you're, you're, assumption about what the purpose of communication is in that case is different. So I think men and women alike need to try to understand better where the other one is coming from. It's no surprise. And I'm going to say something wildly on PC, but in general, men tend to have more of a solve it mentality. We must be communicating because a problem must be need to get solved. And that's not always the case with, with women. And you can send me your angry email, but <laughs> I don't really care. Uh, I think it's true. Not always, but, you know, in general. So I think those are those are some good things to think about, too. And then with kids, um, the purpose of your presence with children is not always efficiency. In fact, it's, it's probably not. S- study after study shows us that what kids really want most is your presence and your attention. So give them your attention. And sometimes that means holding your tongue and and listening while they go through the excruciating detail of, you know, how they develop their second grade project or whatever. And, and you got to listen because that's the purpose isn't actually a, the function of them telling you some information that you need. The purpose is them sharing what they care about with you and knowing that you care for the long term. Okay. I don't want to get over my skis. I'm not a parenting expert. Um, in general, though, if we if we zoom back up for a second, the brief method is all about being intentional and being attentive to your audience. Well, I think that being intentional and attentive is as important at home and probably more important at home than it is even at work. All right, that's my story. I'm sticking to that one. Um, oh, this is a great question. Um, are there any principles of the brief methodology that you would not recommend bringing home? 
I think this gets to what I was just saying about why are we communicating in the first place. So you just have to make sure that you're not bringing a pro a productive and efficient mindset to communication in every situation because that is not always the purpose of communication in every situation, even though it's often the purpose of it at work. Um, and then... Uh, I... I think, you know, I think when it comes to delivering, I think when it comes to having tough conversations, um, I don't think that having tough conversations with the kids is exactly the same as having tough conversations with your employee or your team member. So, you know, I frequently say when we, when we teach courses on delivering tough feedback or having tough conversations that... It's not really possible at work to be the bad cop and the good cop at the same time. Sometimes you just have to own, like, I, my job here is to deliver the tough news and then give them the space that they need to get over it. Um, there's some truth to that when you're talking to kids, but I think the kids need to know that you love them more more than anything, right? And and your employees, maybe they need to know that you have your back, you have their back, but they probably don't need to know that you love them, right? So I think that maybe that's that's an area uh, managing tough conversations that might be um, that you might get really good at at the brief lab and, and, and be sort of this unapologetic person who just says it how it is. But I think you then need to weigh the cost of that if you're doing that to your kids on a consistent basis because they may mistake your consistent, clear uh, feedback with well, you know, mom or dad thinks I'm a failure or they think I'm, I'm not doing a great job. So, all right, that's my two cents, folks. If you've got a question for us, we'd love to have it. Um, we're trying to do our best here. You agree with my answers. You don't, we'd love to hear about it. Uh, hopefully it's sparked your thinking a little bit and uh, maybe given you one or two practical techniques that you can try out. Send us a question to faq at thebrieflab.com. Have a great week, everyone. It's always good to talk to you. Take care.